Hi, everybody. I'm Dave. And I'm John. And this is Coffee and Capes, our podcast about two of our favorite things, drinking coffee and talking about geek culture, especially comic book centered geek culture. Yeah. So that's uh, what we're going to do. We're going to talk about coffee and we're going to talk about a comic book movie. We're talking nice. about Shazam today. Shazam 2, Fury of the Gods. Yes. Yes, we are. Uh, but first, we like to remind you of all the ways that you can connect with us, because there's a bunch. There are a few. So you guys can find us on social. We're on YouTube. Uh, we're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. We're on TikTok. We're on Twitter. We're all over the place. Uh, coffee underscore the letter N underscore capes or take the underscores out as coffee and capes. Uh, we're online at our website coffee the letter n the word capes.com or you can just go into your url browser type comics.coffee same thing happens takes you where you need to go uh, comics.coffee is my favorite way to get to us yeah it's just fun yeah. to type in it feels good when you type that in yeah like that and then the, uh, so cool. we're on all your podcast ingesting devices or locations spotify itunes all those things uh, yeah, and if you want to drop us an email, you can send us an email to supers, S-U-P-E-R-S, at coffee, the letter N, the word capes.com, and, uh, and we'll take time to respond. We will. We love getting, uh, we love getting notes and, uh, about, uh, about anything, but especially responding to our podcast here. It's great. Um, mm -hmm. oh, we'll get to that in a second. Let's talk about some coffee. I'm, yeah. uh, what are you, I'm drinking some Empire's Roast this morning. What do mm. Well, it was just St. Patrick's Day, so we're going to talk about one of our flavored roasts. Ivy's Elixir. There you so, go. Yeah, Ivy's Elixir, the reason we talk about this is it's got a stout Irish cream with sweet caramel flavor. People seem to really like this one as yes. well. All of our flavored coffees are really good, actually. Yeah, uh, I'm not really a huge flavored coffee person, but ours are good. Yeah, enjoy them. The Logan's Barrel Age is good. That one's, you know, aged in a whiskey barrel. Yeah, uh, Harleen's Delight's got a little bit of, uh, I guess, Jamaican flavor style to it. A little, right. little tropical flavor to it. Yeah, um, we even have some pumpkin spice still hanging around. Uh, so anyway, pumpkin I'll... spice season again before you know it. It'll take its time. Okay. Um, Okay, but Ivy's Elixir is really good too, and it's got Ivy's a little ice cream. Really it's not, obviously you know some of these flavors sound alcoholic. There's no alcohol, right? Of any no kind alcohol. In any of They're alcohol free, yeah. gluten free, um, so you, and sugar free, so you can enjoy them. And then, uh, yeah, it's made from a premium Colombian bean, so it is a premium coffee, just like all of our coffees are. That's why small batch coffee costs more. Is it's. Um, Usually it, it, it's a little harder to get, a little bit more ethically sourced. Not saying that big coffee roasters don't source ethically, but it's one of the things that does make small batch coffee a little bit more expensive um, is the longer process it takes to get to a brew being completed. So if you've ever wondered, and don't forget, all of our coffee comes with a new run comic now. So you get the full full joyful experience you can read a comic you could give it away you can donate it to a library um do whatever like honestly just 
pass the love of comics along if you're not a yep. comic fan or discover it all on your own. Yeah. yeah. All the options available to you. All the options. Exactly. Excellent. So if, uh, you know, if you're interested in trying some of our coffee, coffeeandcapes.com or mm-hmm. comics.coffee. Yeah. And check All it right. out. Great. Thanks so much. So next on the agenda. So next on the agenda is what we uh, have gotten to call a fan fiction where we react to, or we, you know, respond or, or read out some of your reactions to what we're doing. And uh, this one actually comes from my cousin, Steve, uh, who was listening to our episode uh, where we were kind of comparing and contrasting Black Adam and Black Panther Wakanda forever. And uh, just a couple of things that he said, like, oh, we were talking about how Black Panther has four powerful women and his daughter who's um, a college student was so pumped about seeing strong women characters on screen. She loved that. Um, and said they they saw that in the theater and he really liked it and Emily loved it and uh, Black Adam not so much She's like eh, I turned it off halfway through <laughs> like it just didn't really grab me but a couple weeks later I finished it and the second half was better he said this may be in part because I've never read anything Black Adam comics so uh, I think there's some truth yeah exactly we've been talking about how there's some um uh fatigue around comic book movies mm-hmm. and and how there's a lot of homework if you if you really want to like mm-hmm. kind of dive in and, and make all the connections and that can be daunting for folks so yeah just some yeah. some nice affirmation there about about movies we liked and and just about the kind of trends we're seeing right yeah <clears throat> and emily if you ever listen i'm glad that you like black panther and that we got some strong women for you on screen that was great well not that we did but that there were right right so that brings us to speaking of doing homework and fatigue and all of that jazz uh shazam fury of the gods came out over the weekend yes. um we went and saw it it has and the theater did not fall down on top of us. The theater did not. We went to a different theater. Yeah. It was not the best. No. Um, we should start reviewing theaters we go to as <laughs> we well. We should do that. I like that idea. Yeah, we should. But we're not going to start with this one. No. Um, this this movie has not been well-received critically. Big surprise. Like, like we've talked about before, the critics are probably tired of superhero movies. I mean, Marvel's given us what 31, 32, 31 movies, yeah, 31 movies over the last what decade, yeah, yeah, a little more than right, yeah, right. So, basically, over the last 15 years, yeah, over the last decade or so, um, and you know, DC's had their attempts at at giving us you know, movies. We've had Batman, Batman's such a well known property, though, that you know. Only Joel, Joel Schumacher can screw that up. Um, <laughs> and, but, so Shazam, right, is definitely, I think, a, a victim of that fatigue. Whereas, whereas Ant-Man and Wasp Quantumania was a stretch. And to your point, had to really, you had to be in the lore of comic books. Like, we were talking about this with Daryl yesterday. Yeah. Um. Daryl, you know, we we're all in kind of an agreement that like to understand what's happening with 
Ant-Man and Wasp Quantumania and some of the other stuff that's going on with Marvel right now, you have to have a rich history of, of kind of Marvel because you need to understand right. that like these, what they're doing is they're moving off world for much larger galactic threats so they can expand the Marvel universe some more. And then they'll bring it back to earth where it will pose a very real threat to, you know, a community that we can associate with. Um, but if you don't, if you don't know that, if you're not attuned to that, if you don't have a history of reading for that, it just, it looks disjointed and can be odd and, and jarring. I think. Sure. You're like, what are we doing here? Like what's, right. what's going on? Why? Like, are what's we the point? Place? What's, the, what's yeah. the point of what's happening? Sure. Yeah. Um, and I think that now critics, as, as you and I kind of talked about after watching Shazam, critics are hypercritical of these movies now because they're they're film people, right? They sure. they love to see drama. They love to see comedies. They love to see you know uh, pushing creative envelopes emotionally. Those kinds of like. Those things come to life in film. And while there's there's definitely like emotional twists and turns inside of superhero movies, for sure, there were in Shazam too. Yes. Um it's it's not the same. And they're now they're just like, oh, it's the superhero thing again. And I'm tired of the superhero thing. So I'm gonna give it a crappy rating and hope that and I don't know that this is the case, but I'm making an assumption. I'm gonna give it a crappy rating and hope that like Nobody will go see it. It'll tank. And maybe we'll start getting less of these things. Yeah. I don't know if any critics actually like, oh, I hope this will tank. But there definitely there's undeniably fatigue out there. And uh, like, for instance, the I forget who it was from the Chicago Tribune that, that reviewed it. Um, Shazam. But the one thing that stood out at me, they gave it a one star. And the one thing from the review that I just that makes me scratch my head was they said, oh, there was only, it tried to be funny, but it was never funny. The only one time it had, it made me laugh was like the Chiron on the, on the screen when they were showing Wolf Blitzer with the like CNN update. There's like one time there. And I just, I, that baffles me because yeah. you and I laughed continuously throughout it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was very, it was humorous. It was funny. It was, it was really thoroughly enjoyable. Yeah, I liked this. I had I had a better time watching this than I had watching Ant-Man and Wasp Quantumania for different reasons. Um, you know, I, I think it was for me that they it felt more grounded. Sure. Right? And I loved Ant-Man and Wasp Quantumania. Don't get me wrong. Like, I thought yeah. that was a, a really fun, enjoyable movie. I thought, you know, this one just felt a little more grounded again in, the, you know, because you it's in philly and right it's in an actual know, place in a in a place that we recognize this kind of that whole thing we were talking about after ant-man right that, and wasp uh quantum mania that you feel more grounded you feel like you're in the real mm -hmm. world because you are yes and and that helps with the the connection right the emotional connection to the movie is helped out by that grounding piece of it I enjoyed it more than Black Adam and I enjoyed Black Adam. Like uh, to me, yeah. this was one of the better superhero movies that I've seen in the last year. Um, and I think part of that stemmed from, you know, it, it just, it didn't feel like it was trying to go 
super over the top at any point. Right. You know, it was very story driven. Uh, it wasn't as effects driven. There were definitely pieces of the story that felt like they could have been more important and then kind of tapered off and were lost. Yeah. But overall, like, I mean, I teared up a couple times. Yeah, right. In the movie. Like, yes. there were some emotional hits going on. I will say some of the special effects at times felt a little like, you know, Clash of the Titans. <laughs> yeah, I think there's there's some of that going on. And uh, I need to say our classic uh, Coffee and Capes spoiler warning that we're we're pretty well not worrying about holding things back. So if you haven't seen the movie and don't want to have things spoiled, you should probably pause at this point and uh, come back after you've seen the movie. Yes, uh, for sure. But yeah, there was there were some aspects of the special effects. Like I was like, meh, like that that look. Come on, guys. The uh, the dragon being made out of wood. Was At least they laughed. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that was an odd choice. And and then they made a joke out of it, which yes. was kind of fun. Which was awesome. Like, yeah, in a joke. <laughs> yeah, wood odd choice. <laughs> Seems like a design flaw. Yeah. Weird flex, <laughs> but okay. Yeah. Um, I'll say this. I thought I'm, I might be alone in this, but I thought Zachary Levy was actually better in this movie than in the first one. Yes, I would agree. But I will say this. I, I will say this. And I was thinking about this this morning, and it is the one thing about Shazam and Billy Batson that I, in the movies, I have kind of an issue with. And that is that especially in this one, Billy Batson as in his child form seems more grown up and more like kind of serious and in the way that he's viewing the world and emotionally like kind of there than Zachary Levi's Shazam does. Like yeah, for that's true. some reason, yeah, yeah. Like, he seems to dumb down as Shazam, which I did find kind of annoying. Like, the whole thing yeah. with uh, the thing about the wisdom of Solomon. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And that was right. funny. And it was, and it was funny. And I thought it was funny. Like the way he was like the wisdom of the solo man or the <laughs> wisdom of Solomon. Right. But then right. I was like, at no point does Billy Batson in his, in his boy form. Seem like across, an idiot like that. Yeah. Come across as an idiot. He seems right. like kind of the, you know, like the head of the kids, like right. they all look yeah. up to him and you know what have you. But he doesn't seem yeah, he doesn't seem like an idiot. He doesn't seem goofy like that. Yeah, that's true. That's a fair point. I hadn't quite thought of that. That's a that's a really fair point. Yeah. That he is goofier as Shazam than he is as a kid, which doesn't make any sense. Cause right. like for instance, um, oh gosh, what's the youngest one's name? Um I don't remember. I'm not sure, but um, and that's part of the problem too, is like the the other family, other than Mary, the other family members kind of aren't lost. Yeah, they aren't really distinct enough. Yeah. But this fast one, she's yeah. the youngest sister. Like, she's a super smart, sweet, innocent girl. And then that carries over when she becomes the mm -hmm. part of the, the Shazam family. When she goes to her superhero form. Yes. Absolutely. She's right. curious and smart and and sweet. Yeah. And it, it comes through. Yeah, everybody else's like character traits that they have as a as a kid 
like their best character traits come through. And yeah. I guess you could say you can make the argument that like Shazam's best character trait is his heart. Yeah. Right. And they, yes. they do kind of point to that. Like it's the the wisdom for him lies within his heart. Like knowing to like he gave his he split his power between his siblings without thinking about it. Darla. Right. The character's name is Darla. Darla. There you go. Thank you. Yeah. Um right. They, yeah. They, they make it a point to, you know, say that, but at the same time, you're like, I don't think he ever strikes me as like the dumb one out of the family when they're kids. True. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like we're supposed to believe he's 18, he's aging out and all this yeah. other jazz, and he can't figure out how to say Solomon. <laughs> well, I don't know, man. I've got a 17-year-old boy in my life, and, and there are some some things that he, that uh you would think you would know just just by existing in the world that he doesn't. So I guess that's fair. Yeah, I guess that's fair. <laughs> You know, we we learned Greek mythology in school at some point when I was growing up. So that, you know, I knew who Solomon was. Well, like, yeah, I mean, Solomon's from the the uh, the Hebrew stories, but right, right. Thank you, Hebrew stories. Yeah, yeah. But if the the mythology aspect, like right. that, was something that I I grew up with, whether it was Greek or, or what have you. Right. Um, it was part of what we were taught in cultural studies and right. social studies. Yes, for sure. Yep. Reading the Iliad and Odyssey and all that stuff. Talking about well, and being in Dungeons and Dragons was was always an interest too that 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 uh added to the idea that, oh hey, we should learn about mythology. Or here's a reason, here's an excuse to read more mythologies because it, it comes up in Dungeons and Dragons stuff. All the time. Yeah. Like, but yeah, oh, you're right though. I hadn't thought about that aspect as a kid. Back when, before the internet, and we had to do school projects, we'd go to the library and get out the the encyclopedia or the yeah the encyclopedia or find the find books on mythology. I remember doing that in elementary school. I don't know that that's a thing that kids do anymore. I don't know that kids go to libraries anymore. Well, <laughs> in their free time, I used to go and check out books all the time from our library. Yeah, all the time. Yeah, I read so much as a kid. We also didn't have. 8 million channels on TV right. and right. special effects laden things and YouTube and phones yeah. that you could watch a movie on or what have you. I mean, now I sound old, right? right. I, I sound like the old guy who's like, old guys yelling at clouds here. <laughs> but there is something to be said about that, right? It's yeah. there's something to be said about the wonder of going into a library and going, I want to know more about this. Yeah. And picking up a book and reading something on it, right? Learning about what are the Greek gods? Like, who was Atlas? Like, they kept referencing yeah. Atlas, right? Right. The daughters of Atlas throughout the movie were the were the kind of bad guys, kind of like whatever. And you know, I I mean, how many how many people watching it? And this is like a genuine thought: is like how many people watching it know who Atlas actually was as it relates to mythology? Right. And I'm sure most people have encountered the image because it's a pretty famous image of him like holding the world on his back. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But well, and I'll say I despite what we're saying about having read a lot of Greek mythology 40, 50, 40 years ago, like I I don't remember there being a thing about the daughters of Atlas like yeah. I don't remember encountering. Well, I think that's pretty much made up. Yeah. 
I, I think that that part is just made up in order to further, you know, kind of the movie and those kinds yeah. of things. But, you know, I thought the costume design for Zachary Levi was much better this time. It didn't look as styrofoam padded. Right. It didn't look like there was a light bulb underneath his suit. Right. And the and the rest of the family was great. Like yep. everybody did a great job. The kids and the adult actors, I thought they they all did a really nice job. There was that and it was and it was so fast and so subtle in the movie about the the one that came out to the family. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like He's watching at the beginning of the at the beginning of the movie, sitting on right. the couch with the mom watching baseball, and he and he and he's like, "Yeah, I can see the appeal." And he's looking at the picture <laughs> uh-huh. of like the sweaty baseball player. Yeah, and you're like, "Okay, so they're gonna there's gonna be a thing here, right?" Like you kind of thought there was gonna be a thing. Yeah, I think the nod to, I think what I liked about what they did with it is they didn't make it into a thing. That it was when they all decided they had something to tell the parents which was going to be that they were they were superheroes superheroes right he says i'm gay yeah and everybody kind of looks at me and zachary levi's character goes yeah man we know yeah and he's like really like yeah yeah and and the parents too the parents are like yeah we know you're it's great everybody's like yeah that's great yeah Yeah, we all know which is that's how it's supposed to be right which is exactly how it's supposed to be right and and i for a minute when we first saw that in the beginning, I thought, I wonder how this is going to be interwoven. Like, what is going to be the struggle here with this? Like, what is the social commentary going to end up being throughout the movie around this? Yeah. And the fact that it wasn't. The fact that it just became a quick announcement. The family was like, yeah, we know. Yeah. I thought, I liked that. Yeah, for sure. I liked that, you know, you could have people who are arguing saying, well, that wasn't given enough this that or the other and and i thought no the argument should be this is how it should be that it's just not a thing it's just it just it's is like it's, it's your life it's, right it's who yeah, you yeah. are right right and and you're accepted and you're loved and, and and it doesn't matter that that was the message in that brief little moment that i feel like might have been one of the more powerful things that happened in the movie for me yeah was just seeing that pure acceptance yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Especially for that character who's got, he's 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 chubby. He's bigger, and there's you mm-hmm. know there's all sorts of body issues all and how do you all sorts of stuff in a cultural way that you know is that kid going to be accepted? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, any and there's that fear that unknown. And, right. You know, is he not going to be accepted? So for them to just be like, yeah, it's cool. Yeah. I, I was like, that's great. Yeah, totally agree. I like, I think this movie does pretty well at depicting the idea of children who become adult bodied superheroes and the the internal conflicts that they have with that. Mm-hmm. Like that, how would that be? I I just think if you're going to try to embody that idea and you're right about um, Shazam being goofier than, than the kid. Right, yeah. But but there's something there like that each of them are they're kind of struggling with their with their powers and how do we do this and what does it mean and we're we're not really sure of ourselves because they're kids yeah and i just i don't know i just think there's something about the way that 
that each of the the characters when they get superheroed um and they're talking about it and they're in the lair like absolutely if you had a bunch of teenagers and suddenly they have a secret like room where they could go i'm pretty sure they decorate it pretty much like that right with the we're going to label it as layer and we're going to put we're going to we're going to make it our own and like, i like just that feels true to what to the story that they're trying to tell like if you're trying to tell a story about kids that suddenly have superpowers how would they react i feel like uh-huh. they they do a pretty good job of depicting that yes i would agree and then you know the other piece i i i liked about that was I guess the the need for them to explore their own interests. Yeah. Right? That everybody kind of was like they all found their own thing within the lair and mm-hmm. they were kind of looking at like one of them was exploring the doors to all the different places and he kept yeah. writing M for mature, E for everyone <laughs> on like right. the doors. Yeah. Which is a very kid thing like reaction to do. Yes. Uh the other one who found the library but kept the library to themselves and yeah. You know, Steve, the talking, the pen that wrote on its own when you asked right. questions. Right. And and there was some great humor in there. Like when and and I'm sorry, whoever the the critic from the Chicago Tribune was, like, is either A really suffering from like superhero movie fatigue, which I totally get, or B has no sense of humor and is a soulless right harpy of a human being because the, <laughs> yeah. the whole thing with the steve the pen and right. they send the letter the letter to the daughters right. of atlas and it's yeah. recorded like everything everything throughout the whole uh-huh. conversation and they're reading it and you're like oh my gosh they're idiots and yeah. it was great and it was fun and it kept going it's one of those jokes that like I forget, is it Seinfeld or is it somebody else that talks about like, if you just keep going, like you do something over and over again and it it's funny and then it's sort of not funny. And then if you keep going long enough, it becomes funny again. Mm-hmm. That's how I felt about that. Yeah, like, it was good. It just... was good. I, you know, the, the Daughters of Atlas, I felt were for who they had playing them. Yeah. I will say I thought were not as threatening yeah yeah i think well and i felt that there was a couple of moments where i felt really bad for lucy lou like she had she had some dialogue that was she was given some dialogue that was pretty same with helen mirren yeah i i don't know it just really stood out to me when there was a moment or two where lucy lou had to be like super cheesy bad guy stuff like yeah something around like i don't know so that's tough to pull off Mm -hmm. it's it's like what harrison ford reportedly said about the original star wars script like (laughs) you can write this shit but nobody can say it (laughs) right can it's it's tough right it's tough um yeah but i i felt like they could have made them a little bit more menacing yeah i mean the whole like they opened really well Yes, with them going in and right. yeah, right. out everybody in the museum and Lucy Lou like whispering into people's ears and then they just jumped from person to person. Right, like, that whole like whisper. I thought that moment. I thought, oh my gosh, is this going to be some version of a zombie movie? I was so hopeful. Yeah, I thought this is great. Like this is a really terrifying power, and right. then she never really used it again. Yeah, 
like not in that way yeah for as angry as she was portrayed at being at humans and as and as vicious as that power was i was like how did we miss the the mark on using that as like the big weapon instead of the wooden glowy dragon (laughs) right yeah like the wooden glowy dragon i was like eh Here's here's my thought on the dragon aspect that we see in movies sometimes or or shows. S- don't try and get too creative with dragons. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, don't yeah. try to step too far out of bounds. Like, when we want to see dragons, we want to see dragons. Yeah, we want to see scales and fire and menace and and everything else. And it it looked like a Pokemon character. Yeah, I kind of did. Yeah, you know, because it yeah. was constantly glowing and it wasn't, it was spitting blue fire. And I get it, like, there's, you know, whatever. But at the end of the day, I mean, that's just one of those, those creatures from mythology. And, and I, I don't know everything about mythology and, and I, I haven't played Dungeons and Dragons in years. Right. Um, so there could very well be a wood dragon somewhere that I don't know about. Yeah. But, when people are watching like for dragons, when we think we're going to get a dragon, there's, there's something you want. Right. And I think when you take too much creative license with something like that, it can be a little bit of a, like the air comes out of the balloon, just a touch. Right. Right. Yeah. And I, I guess it had to be blue fire. I don't know what the blue fire was. It looked very much like the lightning. Like when yeah, the lightning and like, the blue fire like connected, it was hard to tell. I think it was. They, it, I think it was some sort magic. of magic. Sure, yeah. Right. And I well, because the staff, it was like wasn't was the fire like the same color as the yes. magic in the staff, the glowy uh-huh. thing in the staff. Yes. Um, and I suppose a wood dragon would have trouble with actual fire. That wouldn't be a good combination, I don't think. <laughs> but uh, true. But then you know, make it. But scaly. if you're a magic creature, why? Yeah, contradiction yeah. should be allowed. Yeah, just make it scaly. But at the end of the day, I mean, really, at the end of the day with this movie, yeah, like, it didn't have the same budget from what I understand as a lot of the other, like, you know, big comic book movies. They specifically kept it at a, at a little bit lower budget, okay, um, which I think worked. At times, the special effects, like Lucy Liu on the dragon got a little hokey a couple times. Sure, and like, yeah. Here, we probably should have spent a little more money. Um, but I don't feel like the movie was meant to center around special effects. I feel like the movie was meant to right. center around the relationships that were existing and, you know, the idea of, of growing up and loss and moving yes. on and everything right. else. And, right. Um, and found family and mm-hmm. how powerful that is. Yes. And, and just the, Gosh, the emotion between um mom, I think it I think her name's Rose and and Billy especially just like of course you'll be part of us. Like there's no there's no letting you go. You're my yeah. you're my son. Yeah. Like if that doesn't hit you at least a little bit in the feels, what? I don't know what's wrong with you. Yeah. Like how does that like unless you're just like again a soulless harpy that works at the right. Chicago Tribune. <laughs> right how does that like do you not have any kind of experience with that 
in your life where you're just like you've always thought i don't know it, it just to to give it one stars is not fair um i think my opinion i, I think you've missed the point of this movie yeah right I, I think that if you're giving it terrible reviews you're fatigued on superhero movies and that's totally understandable <clears throat> you know i don't know what the uh fan rating is of it after the weekend yeah, i don't know. looked at that i can't believe that this movie's made less over the weekend than friggin morbius did that's what you said that's insane right that's this movie is this movie is three times better than morbius at least way more than that okay this this movie is so much better than morbius yeah morbius was such hot wet garbage <laughs> <laughs> such hot wet garbage <laughs> And and this movie doesn't have the level of you know dark gravity I guess right 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 you with in with Morbius and you know so maybe the light hearted right yeah comedic aspect of it is a little bit more but again it's a know. story about kids who become superheroes yeah. like it doesn't make sense that it would be dark and brooding and blah 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 no they're yeah, just trying no. to find their way in the world and figure out who they are and and you know that thing that teenagers have to do where they both want to cling to their family and become independent from it yeah. and then you get the story of the lost boy like the you know the boy who's been rejected by his whole life by people that he loves and he's scared yeah I can we talk say... a minute oh go ahead no go ahead buddy. oh i was just gonna say i want to make sure we spend a little bit of time with mary because I thought she was terrific. Yeah, Mary was great. I was going to say, Mary, I thought, uh, and and I think that Mary Marvel as a character in the comics, too, is also great, right? Yes. She's, yeah. And she's undergone a ton of stuff within the comics. Like, she's, you know. Yeah. She flips to Black Adam's side for a while in the comics and becomes, like, Dark Mary um, or Black Mary, something like that. Seth Mary. Teth Mary, I don't know. Teth Mary, I don't but, know. Yeah, I, I thought she was great in the movie too. I, I and in the new it. book, the cha new champions of was the new champions of Shazam, like where she kind of takes over the power. Mm -hmm. Um, the, the couple ones of those I've read are really good, and she's you know she's trying to balance things as a college student and as a superhero, and and she's got more power because they're not sharing all the power because she's kind of the only one left. And how does right. how do you navigate that? Like it's it's interesting good stuff she's a terrific character yeah we're in um in the was it the vampires versus dc mm -hmm. she was one of like basically two main saviors left mm -hmm. yeah oh. like she's a powerful powerful character and i i think you we didn't get to see a lot of the sort of physical powers of her but we saw her as truly the the centered and centering force of that family sure yeah i'll be curious um with you know flash coming out because in the flashpoint comics right uh billy bets and the shazam has like and the shazam family has stood up to like wonder woman's onslaught Mm. right i'm curious to see how they how they work all that like yeah. what are we actually going to see in the flash movie um like we were talking about with daryl yesterday i was probably going to end up being like 
their opportunity to do a hard reset yeah inside of dc like right. that's where everything's gonna go away and we're gonna get a whole different like universe that makes sense but we'll see um before we before we give our rating on it i think we should talk about the two post-credit scenes yes so right. again spoiler alert here because yeah they're good um the first post-credit scene i think was was more important than the second one yes. um right the first post-credit scene you see the folks from task force x go and they find again like what i thought was maybe an over-the-top like kind of goofy like version of of shazam like shooting the bottles with his lightning shooting bottles with his lightning powers and and definitely being like immature yeah and they make him like an offer to be part of the justice and he's like yes 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 absolutely yes absolutely and they're like well that was easy he's like so how does it work being part of the justice league and doesn't wonder woman usually do this and they're like no no this is the justice society (laughs) he's like hold on a second wait i just want to be part of the one that wonder woman's in yeah which was if you're sorry if you're an 18 year old boy in that body like 100 percent, that's where you want to be is wherever sure. Wonder woman is that was a great joke throughout the thing throughout yes. the movie about how clearly he's lusting after wonder woman because mm-hmm. he's 18 and yes of course you do right but i i think that the only thing about that that post-credit scene that I have to wonder is was that post-credit scene created prior to James Gunn taking over and wiping the slate, so to speak. So does it really have any weight anymore? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Because we know that black Adam is not going to be part of the new DC continuity. Yeah. Everything else. Justice society is something that has played a big part, but we also know that's not coming so it, it was kind of one of those that was like this was like more fan service than sure because it was setting up the idea prediction. that Shazam could take on uh Black Adam. Right. That they would yes. fight. Yep. Yeah. And it and it set that up and we know there's no payoff. And then the the second post credit scene was uh the guy from the 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 bad guy from the first one. Right. Mark Strongly. Right. Yeah. Has both eyeballs. Yes, yeah. He had both eyeballs and and well, then you little... know <laughs> budget constraints. I mean, sometimes eyeballs grow back. Right. Yeah. As they do. Uh and then the little worm guy that if you read the comics, I can't remember his name, but he does he's a he's a significant bad guy. And uh but I felt that was more like comedy. Right. Because yeah. they teased that in the end of the first shazam movie and then obviously we got something totally different in this one and then all of a sudden that little guy is back and but the interaction was so funny right right he's like it takes me i crawl everywhere that i go (laughs) i don't have wings i don't have wheels i have to slither yeah Yeah, i slither and it takes me a long time he's like oh there's one more thing i have to do and he like crawls away right and i thought that was kind of funny it was it wasn't like does it further anything within Shazam? I don't know. Right. Um, but it was it was kind of funny. So the But the first credit scene, scene, the first post-credit scene was legitimately funny. Yes. Like the interaction between the two characters, gosh, the two characters from Peacemaker, 
Um, I'm blanking on their their character names, but they're hilarious. Yes, they're super funny, and they're funny in Peacemaker. I mean, they're well, right. That's what I mean. Yeah, and maybe that's the thing where if you haven't watched Peacemaker, then you don't know who these two people are, and you you don't know what why they're bickering, and and maybe it just seems like dumb bickering instead of like a continuation of the people that you've met in in Peacemaker and why that's so funny. Maybe that's where it falls flat, I guess. Right. We're back around to the there's just too much homework for people to do to keep up with all this, which is understandable. But I thought that scene was with those two was hilarious. Yeah, I thought it was good. I thought it was good. Um all right, Dave. So let's uh let's wrap this up with our uh patented uh coffee and capes rating system of overwhelmed, whelmed or underwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and give this an overwhelmed, especially compared to my expectations, which were zero. Right. Yeah. No expectations for this at all. I would say that I was overwhelmed as well. I, I it was a lot of fun. I'd actually yes. go see it again, um, you know, and it's it's one that I think is rewatchable. It has the ability Absolutely. to be rewatchable. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I, I think if you're out there and you're wondering, should I go see this Shazam movie? Yeah. Absolutely, go see it. I think you'll be pleasantly, pleasantly surprised, and you'll realize that most movie critics are idiots, <laughs> or at least aren't invested. We're, you know what? We're enthusiasts. We've said this from the beginning. Yes. We're not critics. We're enthusiasts. We want. Right. We're. We like these stories. We want them to do well. We want them to be good. We're willing to tell you when they're say when we think they're not. Morbius. Morbius. Looking at you, um, <laughs> but. But we want them to do well. We're not professional critics. We just we love these stories and love that we live in a world where they we get to see them on screen at pretty high quality. Yeah. I do want to point out really quick before I hang up, I just had a thought. You know what would be great? A great use of Morbius in Marvel continuity. Have him fight Blade? Yes. Have him get staked by Blade. Yes. Okay, if you guys are listening out there, <laughs> make that happen. Just do it. Just put us all out of our misery, <laughs> like some connected Morbius universe with just a vulture and what the hell ever. Brief. It could be the yeah. opening scene of the new Blade movie where it's yeah. just like you got just... Jared Leto running for his life as Morbius, and then all of a sudden he just gets done in by Blade. Yes, even if it's just like CGI Morbius or, or Jared yeah, Leto, get, like I it can just be. Yeah, at all. I don't give a shit. Just, <laughs> just time to get rid of it. Stake that guy. Get us get Stake it. Get rid of it. Like <laughs> call it a day. Don't reboot it. Such yeah. a weird, gosh, weird character to bring to the screen. Anyway, this is about Shazam Two. Fury yeah, that one goes. Yes, Shazam Which Two. Fury both, the gods. Go yeah. see it. Overwhelmed. Totally worth it. Lots Good of fun. fun. Yep, you'll uh, enjoy it. And if not, yep. well shame on you no just kidding yeah. <laughs> enjoy yeah. let us know what you think hey let us know what you think reach out on the socials or send us an email or um you know if you know us personally send us a text that's cool too uh <laughs> otherwise um uh, capes.com and uh thanks for hanging out with us today yeah. remember guys drink coffee read comics be awesome absolutely that's that's the tagline right there that's our new tagline i like yeah. it drink coffee read comics be awesome guys until next time. Bye. Bye, Kevin Costner. <laughs>